Welcome to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Josh Wise. Today, we're joined by Zoe Van Gelder, who is uh, calling us from Mexico. Zoe worked with Karen Hansen Kuhn on a paper exploring agroecology and how the Mexican farm organization, ANEC, has gone about connecting agroecological principles to mainstream farming practices. All right, so Zoe, agroecology is a bit more than just uh, sustainable agriculture that's, you know, kind of good for the environment. There are lots of sociological or social factors that go into it as well. Um, and and one, of which, one of which is um, uh, valuing the knowledge of, uh, 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 of small farmers, peasant farmers. Uh, uh, how, uh, talk a bit about that and wh- how that is kind of a, a fundamental of agroecology. Valuing the small knowledge of farmers. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I think... I, <laughs> Going back to like what they're like the best definitions of agriculture, I think the simplest one is the one that breaks it down into agroecology as a science, like as a science, as a social movement, and um, as a set of of farmer practices, of production practices, right? So, um, in terms of agroecology as a social movement and its val, its roots in farmer knowledge. Uh, I mean, it's it's agroecology both values farmer knowledge in a way that maybe isn't implied and ideas or definitions of sustainable agriculture, but it also comes out of farmer knowledge. Um, so it, it owes its existence uh, to small farmers uh, mm-hmm. and specifically actually small farmers um, in Latin America, I mean, some would argue. Um, so I, I th- what agroecology has done or has how agroecolo- agroecological pra- agricultural practices have emerged out of um, uh, traditional, uh, traditional being non um, input dependent, um, intercropping small scale methods used by small farmers mm-hmm. and indigenous farmers um, throughout the world, but specifically agroecology, like the emerge, like the definition of agroecology and the agro- agroecological movement can be traced back to to Mexico. Um, can you talk a bit about that? How that evolved from Mexico? Sure. Um, well, I mean, I th- how did it evolve from Mexico? Um, m- I mean, Mexican small farmers were um, some of the first small farmers to be exposed to green revolution practices. So the industrial agricultural practices that characterize our dominant global food system and our U.S. food system. Um, right. And at the same time, or in sort of counter to that, um, there were a number of uh, agronomists um, and ecologists who started working, well, who started, yeah, working with small farmers, uh, peasant rural communities um, in Mexico and documenting their traditional practices like the milpa, which is a, um, it's a intercropping system uh, that's usually, it's a, uh, beans corn like the three sisters beans corn and squash um mm-hmm. and the way that bean corns and squash as part of an intercrop system support one another um so those are examples of the like the beginnings of ecologists and agronomists working with small farmers to identify and de- like to define uh, an agroecological production system um, 
And so to what extent is uh, agroecology, how, how does it use science to build upon these traditional practices? Because I think there's maybe a misperception that when we talk about sustainable farming, we're talking about just kind of uh, being a Luddite, for example, and rejecting technology. But this is really um, kind of a redefinition of what technology is, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and back to this. So, so back to uh, the idea the definition of agroecology as a process of experimentation and innovation. Um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely, I mean, traditional agricultural systems um, are a component of uh, agroecological practices, but they are not all of agroecological practices. Um, so there's a lot of innovation um, that happens and experimentation that happens. And it, it, and it's particular. I mean, the other important thing about agroecology is that it's very context dependent. So you have a set of practices um, and approaches, you know, things like um, the importance of soil health and under, understanding the the uh, composition of microorganisms and uh, different nutrients in your specific in your particular soil as a farmer and then adapting that knowledge once you know uh, what the microorganisms are or what particular nutrients are lacking from your soil then um, you know adapt adapt using our modern knowledge (laughs) or growing knowledge about the importance of microorganisms and nutrients using that modern scientific knowledge to help um, design an agroecological system, a system of growing different kinds of crops and at different times um, uh, to that's, that's adapted to your specific local ecosystem, to your specific plot of land and your soil characteristics and your climate characteristics, um, climate conditions. Uh, So, so agroecology very much depends on on modern scientific knowledge and, and innovation and, um, and just basic, you know, experiments. Um, what's different about, or I think what's, what's inspiring or what's different about agroecology as a scientific discipline as opposed to other, mm-hmm. um, like other scientific disciplines is this, this it's grounded in this democratic process because it's so localized. So scientists, like the mm-hmm. scientists who work with a neck to, you know, because one of the things that we're realizing is that we know so little about uh, about soil and about the importance of the, all the different, we don't even have all the different soil microorganisms identified. And so um, agroecologists and ecologists and agronomists who are working uh, alongside small farmers are learning at the same time about the importance of all these different microorganisms and, you know, what what role they play. Um, there's actually, I feel like there's a big parallel between our discovery of the importance that, uh, you know, gut flora and fauna play in our mental health and, and uh, our growing understanding of the importance of microorganisms and nutrients and, and our soil, that, that, the, the role that they play in soil health and, and how that uh, contributes to the health of our agro ecosystems. Yeah, that's really interesting stuff. And I don't know. I think we need to do a whole podcast on on uh, microbes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, um, So the the paper that you um, just released was a case study of a neck, and I'm going to let you pronounce the full name. Uh, but give us a, an overview of of who a neck is 
and uh, what their, just sort of a brief history and what their purpose is now. Sure. So, um, ANEC stands for the Asociación Nacional de Empresas Comercializadoras de Productores del Campo. Uh, so, a long name that um, translates, best translates into um, the National Association of um, small or small farmer enterprises um, is how I would translate it. Uh, and it's a small farmer or peasant, campesino, peasant, um, used interchangeably and definitely not a derogatory thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's a, yeah, so it's a peasant union um, that uh, has 60,000 members from 17 different states in Mexico. So it's a, um, it's a uh, big player in, in Mexican uh, agrarian politics um, and it's celebrating, Anek is celebrating its 22nd year. Um, um, and they, and then another thing that sets them apart from other peasant movements is that so that they represent medium-sized farmers and that they're all commercial farmers. So, um, and even if they commercialize, you know, only a small percentage of their harvest, um, they're all mm -hmm. farmers who, who are, yeah, they're not uh, self, or they're not producing only for um, auto consumption, self-consumption, or how do you say that? Got it. <laughs> yeah. And how did, um, how did you get connected with ANEC to study how they're working on agroecology? How did I, is it, how did I get connected with ANEC? How did ANEC come to realize that they needed to um, engage with farmers on agroecological principles and I guess what, what, were, what, were the, what were the conditions prior to them undertaking the work? Yeah, so, um, well, so this, this case study is, um, I guess I should mention that it is uh, as, a, as a part of a, um, a larger project that's funded by the Agroecology Fund for um, ANEC to um, scale up and out its, um, its model of uh, its model of of agroecology um so a uh, next model of agroecology is called um asimisi um and uh, i i don't know whether i should get into the details of, of what that that is but it's sort of a next approach to agroecology because as you know our conversation has revealed there are many different definitions and approaches to agroecology um, right well so let's back up and yeah. let's just talk sure. about how why did they how did they go about fight or how did they go about deciding they needed this model and then how did they right. go about developing their own model how, okay so a next so the leadership the the leadership and technical staff of a have had a long-term commitment to um sus sustainable agriculture and thinking about the importance of um of supporting small farmers' uh, ability to um, survive or to, to be resilient to climate change um, and about the ecological impacts of industrial, industrial agricultural practices. So the majority of ANEC farmers um, have had been and have been and or the majority still do use what we would consider more industrial agricultural practices um, and uh, the transition to agroecology had came about uh, about it mean that sort of started in 2007 after the last big food crisis sort of, uh, yeah, was I mean 
yeah, so basically in 2007 and 2008, um, ANEC started exploring ways to reduce costs for farmers. And at the same time, there were different member organizations of ANEC. Maybe, I'm sorry, Josh, I need to take a step back because I have to say okay. ANEC is made up of 60,000 farmers, but you and ANEC members are local, uh, like local level farmer organizations. So okay. you cannot be an individual and be a member of ANEC. Got it. Okay. So each member organization that makes up ANEC um, uh-huh. decides for themselves, they, they're autonomous and they decide for themselves what kind of pro- productive projects and political projects they want to partake in of ANEC's okay. political and productive projects. Um, so in 2007 and 2008, there were a few local level member organizations of ANEC that were experimenting with organic production of corn and beans. And, um, and they were specifically uh, experimenting with organic fertilizers um, and, and reducing the use of pesticides. So using natural pesticides um, and ma- managing their land to reduce pests. Um, and at the same time, uh, because of the market pressures from the 2000, as resulting from the 2007-2008 um, f- food crisis, uh, there were there was interest expressed at the national level of ANEC, so by all by a, a large majority of ANEC organizations, to invest ANEC's resources in identifying alternative production approaches that would reduce production costs. And so this, these, these two factors, this interest, this experiment, these experiments that were happening in Jalisco and Nayarit, in the state of Jalisco and Nayarit, with small organiz- with local member organizations um, experimenting with organic, and at the same time, a, an interest that was expressed at the yearly assembly by a large part of the next constituency um, in, in, in investing energy and in looking for alternative production practices. Um, those two factors are what made ANEC launch into its development uh, or its design of its approach to agroecology. So at that point, ANEC wasn't calling these production practices agroecology. They weren't using the words agroecology. Um, and over the last eight years, through different experiments that have happened at the local level, at the member farmer organization level, um, and in collaboration with a number of uh, scientists, research institutes, um, and social movement allies, ANEC has developed an approach to agroecological farming that suits their model. Um, that suits their way of engaging with their member farmers. Um, that is called Asimisi. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I'm just looking at the um, one of the, the the tables in the paper that shows that this actually has had uh, a really significant uh, effect in terms of increasing yields and reducing costs. Um, right. Can you talk about some of the results and then I guess actually maybe first talk about how they got to those results <laughs> and then what the results were? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I should I should preface that these results um, need to be independently verified. So, um, yeah, there, there, there is a lot of there are a lot of promising 
promising indicators that a next approach to agroecology is helping farmers reduce costs and um, and maintain or increase um, yields. Uh, um, so in 2017, that this is this has been a, like a little bit over well, almost uh, 2,000 farmers, and they've seen in corn production. Uh, um, 30% increase in output per hectare um, and a 30% reduction in cost of production, or yeah, 30% reduction in cost um, of inputs, uh, specifically fertilizer and pesticides. Um, sorghum also, it's about the same 30% increase in yields and, and about 30% reduction in cost, as well as sugarcane. I hadn't mentioned that there were Anek farmers produce sugarcane. In sugarcane, they've actually seen higher yields, 40% increase in yields and 60% reduction in costs. Um, so, so yeah, so those results are really promising. And the, the results that were, these are results collected by the Anek, by Anek staff during their pilot project. And they definitely um, correlate with what I heard farmers say. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm curious too, I mean, because the, uh, the, uh, yield and reduction in inputs is like really significant. Um, and so it, it's, it's pretty cool. But I'm also wondering about the kind of the democratic side and uh, are farmers feeling uh, more empowered uh, over, their, over their land and over their production? And then also as Annex scales this up, how are they um, kind of incorporating some of those uh, democratic and knowledge sharing principles into that scale up. Honestly, Josh, like, I've been working with rural communities um, in Latin America and um, Southeast Asia for 10 years now. And mm -hmm. this, during over the course of this research, um, speaking to farmers who were participating in SMEC, like there was a hope and um, a, a sense of hope and a sense of excitement um, from small farmers that I have never <laughs> seen wow. um, in any of my work. Uh, so, and that's the part that I was most excited about. Um, it, you know, uh, and and again, I, I do want to reiterate that there, you know, a, ne a neck itself realizes that there needs to be a lot more rigorous research and assessment of the benefits that ASIMISI brings, both ecologically and economically, to farmers who are using ASIMISI. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, just based off of farmers' affect um, and their emotion in describing, you know, their experience with agroecological practices and their experience in, in being accompanied by a neck in their agroecological transition. Um, yeah, they were empowered is, is one word <laughs> to describe mm -hmm. the, the social impacts. Um, um, they, I mean, there's just a like a relief and a sense of relief of having found something that works because um, we have to Mexico's um, agrarian context is is a fraught one you know we Mexico as opposed to the United States still is dominated by small farmers 70% mm -hmm. of farmers in Mexico are, are smallholder farmers um, and they are you know facing um, increasing pressure to either leave leave farming altogether um, or to uh, transit I mean to yeah definitely to they're having a hard time surviving um, and there are more and more cuts to subsidies or programs that they had access to. Um, and so ASIMISI and uh, Annex approach to agroecology agro has, has given them like a, a lifeline in some, and for a lot of them. That's how 
farmers described it. Um, and in terms of their ability, well, I mean, I think that feeling economically self-sufficient, but also feeling autonomous from um, government programs or feeling uh, less vulnerable to market fluctuations. So fluctuations in input prices because of, you know, higher prices for fertilizer because um, global oil prices go up. Uh, that that autonomy from those market fluctuations and that, that inc was also part of their feeling more resilience. Um, so, so farmers described, um, a, yeah, a strength, empower, they, they described feeling more resilient to market forces and more able to negotiate with um, both local um, uh, like buyers or coyotes or people that were coming to purchase their grains or the intermediaries for that they were selling grains to that they felt more power and being able to negotiate um, economically and also uh, with political actors locally and regionally because they they felt that they could, I mean it gave them more power to negotiate um, and to be more participatory I mean it's it's a bit of a stretch but I I, I, I mean it's promising in that farmers you know as they become less dependent on um, on uh, on government programs um, and they can turn down uh, packages of fertilizers and seeds that the state um, secretary of agriculture is, is handing out this year, but may <laughs> not hand out again next year um, right. as, as they can turn those down because they know that they don't need those fertilizers or because those seeds aren't as good as the, the seeds that they themselves have been selecting. Um, they have, they also have more power to ask for the things that they need from the secretary of agriculture and from other political actors. So in, in that way, um, I mean, and one of the next objectives is to strengthen uh, agrarian citizens. And I, f I feel like Asimisi um, and its, you know, a next approach to agroecology is, is definitely contributing to that by creating more autonomous, resilient and empowered local farmers. Well, Zoe Van Gelder, thanks a lot for talking with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Josh. It was great. And um, I, uh, I hope that the listeners get a chance to read the case study and uh, learn more about NEC and SEBC. You've been listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. For more information about our work, including to read Zoe's paper on agroecology and her work with NEC, you can visit our website at www.iatp.org. You can also follow IATP on social media. We are on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for IATP. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.